Welcome back to the Act 2 podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I'm Tosh Hugh. And I am Josh Hallman. We should switch that up one day and you introduce yourself first. You want to do it right now? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Welcome <laughs> back to the Act 2 podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I'm Josh Hallman. And I'm Tosh Hugh. <laughs> Please remember to subscribe <laughs> to the podcast. It does help us. And it also means you won't miss out on any of the cool topics we have coming up. It also helps us to give us a rating, write a comment. We take any and all feedback. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you'd rather DM us, you can with questions or topic suggestions. Tell us we're terrible or awesome and private, you know. You can reach out to us at act2writers at gmail.com, and that's all spelled out, or on our Instagram at act2writers. Um, it's actually kind of cool. We've had some emails lately where people are saying like, oh, I've pitched this week and your pitching is terrible series, has been so helpful to me. Other people are just kind of updating us on how their writing life is going, asking follow-up questions on topics we've discussed. And it's been cool. It's been fun to talk to everyone. So please feel free to email us. You can also find me, Tasha, on Instagram at Story Thursday or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. And you can find me, Josh, on Instagram at Josh Hallman or Twitter at Joshua Hallman. And real quick, Tasha, two things. As you know, I have posted videos on YouTube and made pitch videos and this and that. And you know what's awesome are positive comments, positive <laughs> feedback. But when you start getting that negative shit, it upsets you a little. So I'm happy I don't ever look at the email. <laughs> I feel like I am I good at maybe not I don't know like some bad comments that I've shared with you on Red Sonia have come up and I've been like oh man why does this guy hate Red Sonia already he hasn't even seen it yet yeah. <laughs> maybe I am a bad person maybe I am <laughs> lame and a terrible writer <laughs> uh, yeah anyway well don't don't email us mean things yeah, do it. We'll, no, we'll, I want to we'll hear it all. Sad. <laughs> I want it all. Give us the bad comments. Give us the good ones. I'll forward all the negative comments to Josh to make sure he sees them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what are we talking about today? All right, today's a great day. We have our Fireside Chat series continuing right here, right now. This is our second, <laughs> our second episode of Fireside Chats. I love fireside chats. It's where we tell personal experience stories from writers that we know that we find to be really instructional or interesting or just illustrative of what it's like to work in this business. Yeah. And last time we did this, I wasn't prepared at all. And this time around, I had reached out to different friends and I kind of put the feelers out. This has been over the course of like two months, maybe since we did the last one, because I was so pumped up after doing it. I have a couple things to talk about today. I'm so excited. Me too. Yeah. Can we talk about this week in writing before we jump into this? Yeah. All right. So we've talked about Marvel and their jump into television. Mm. And by television, I mean streaming services, obviously. So mm -hmm. I loved WandaVision. I think you liked? Loved it. Loved it. Um, I just watched the trailer for Loki. Yeah. And I thought it looked amazing amazing and 
currently watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. And I'm and it's it's not that I dislike Falcon and the Winter Sh- Soldier, but it just doesn't have that same kind of like energy that WandaVision came with, I think. So I have a little theory behind this. Go. I can't wait. I feel like WandaVision was so drastically different from what we've seen in uh, the Marvel movies. And then Loki looks like a 180 from anything we've ever seen of Loki. And like off the bat, you're like, holy shit, I want to see what these characters are doing in this insane environment. What's about to happen? And now we're watching like the streaming version of Falcon and Winter Soldier, which kind of sometimes feels like a Marvel movie. Whereas it, I, like without seeing Loki, it, those don't, that doesn't look like a Marvel movie. And WandaVision didn't feel like a Marvel movie. They felt like something completely different. So my thought is moving forward with like superheroes and the Marvel world and maybe the Star Wars universe and whatever is I wonder if you have to like, I wonder if streaming and theatrical are going to just feel different. Like streaming can, you could really fuck around and put your characters in some insane positions because of, you know, the episode structure. That's all. Just thinking about it. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts on Falcon Winter Soldier as well, which I don't want to get into here because that's not what this episode is about, though. I think maybe we should do a breakdown at some point because I do feel like it takes a complete sidestep from WandaVision and seemingly from Loki, though we only have a trailer of that. And I think what's interesting for me in terms of this week in writing that's related to Falcon and Winter Soldier is in watching the third episode, so spoiler alert a little bit, there's a sense that we're seeing a lot of plot, right? Like we're just constantly going after our plot story of gotta fight the bad guy, figure out who the bad guy is, stop the bad guy from doing things. And it's very light on character. Like some of my favorite moments are just Bucky and Falcon sitting in a room talking to each other and that's it. Like we're not going after any bad guy or anything. It's just those two. And it was a really good reminder that that's how we fall in love with characters. We don't fall in love with them because they're going after the bad guy. We fall in love with them because of those smaller moments. And as someone who's currently writing an action show and who writes a lot of action, but also loves character, and I, I feel like I, I, I value my character writing, I still sometimes get wrapped up in plot because that's sort of what, what the energy is that's keeping my action movies going. And sometimes you need to take a step back, take a breath, find the breaths, and just allow your characters to exist with each other. And that goes a long way in making you empathize with the characters and feel like you're involved in their story. Because I think right now I'm very uninvolved. I really just don't care about what's going on. Whereas compare that to WandaVision and I was so emotionally invested and that show has like no action in it. It's just, you know, one woman having a breakdown basically. Dare I say that character is everything? I think you should dare to say it. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Let's move All right. on. Fireside chat. Fireside chat. Round two. Woo. All right. So this is sort of like a scenario. It's a two, maybe three part question. Um, I'm nervous. And obviously I've taken out the name of the person. I've changed it. So here we go. Bob is having a really difficult time with his manager. 
Bob and his manager, they can't get on the same page. They don't know what his next spec should be. He doesn't know what he should write next. And Bob doesn't really have any options because he doesn't have this new spec. And some time ago, they took out his last spec and there's a producer attached to it, but it ultimately kind of fizzled out. So Bob right now is contemplating if he should stick with his manager because he feels like the manager brings him legitimacy among like the screenwriting circle. But I think, although he didn't admit this, I think deep down he knows that this isn't the right person for him. Hmm. So he wants to find someone new. He wants someone that's going to be more aligned with him as a writer. What should Bob do? Am I allowed follow-up questions or is that the only information you have about Bob? I have a little more information. So I guess my follow-up question would be, is the reason his specs didn't sell or got sort of waylaid because of his manager? From what I understand, it was a like a pretty strong relationship. Like it started great and then just kind of turned a little sour. So I think it's a, a reputable manager. Hmm. I think that's such a tough position to be in and is a position that so many writers are in as well. Tasha, and that's why it's a fireside chat question. It's a great question. <laughs> it's actually something like a big reason why Act 2 exists because I kept seeing that reps who were not really working for their clients were causing the writer's career to just completely fizzle out for no fault of the writers. It was just that relationship not really working. So, I mean, without having more information, I feel like my gut would tell me to continue to start looking for new reps, basically. That if your instinct is telling you that your manager is soured on you, which means that they're not actually working for you. Are they returning your phone calls? Are they returning your emails? Are they telling you all your ideas are bad and that they can't sell them? And then not giving you solutions as to sort of how to improve your writing or your ideas. Uh, those are all red flags that tell me that you should find someone else. So that would be my advice there. Is there a way to talk to a manager or an agent or your reps and just say like, for lack of a better term, hey, do you still believe in me? I would hate to ask that question. I don't even know if I could bring myself to do that. I think sort of the, the way that I suss that out is I have, I call a meeting with my reps. And I personally do this every quarter or so, or every half year, call them into a meeting just to say, hey, this is what I'm working on. This is where I wanna be by the end of the year. How do you guys feel about how things are going? And what do you think I should be doing differently? And that's also a time for me to maybe hint at ways I would like them to improve. Like, hey, can we try and send this spec out? I really love it. Here are some producers that I love who I think would love it. So I'm coming in with actual like tasks for them to do. So I am as prepared as they should be. And if I'm getting in that meeting, the sense of like, they don't have a plan, they don't have any sort of seeming investment in in the you know where i said i wanted to be by the end of the year and have seemingly no interest in sending out the spec i asked them to send out then that i think is the clue that they don't believe in you anymore that to me is sort of the way around it i think that's a great way yeah that is a perfect way around it so well let me tell you what he's currently doing <laughs> okay <laughs> bob stuck with his manager but he's planning to leave his manager and he basically said that he is staying with this manager to 
for the optics of having a manager. Yeah. And his plan is to write a spec and then try to find a new manager with the new spec. I actually think that's a really smart play. Oh, really? I do. Yeah, because he's right in the sense that a manager gives you access, right? Because and there I have a friend who has the same issue where he reaches out to people because his manager isn't doing that job for him. His manager's not getting generals for him. And so he's forced to like cold call or email people to get meetings and they will say flat out to him, sure, I'll meet you. Do you have a rep? Yeah. And then he can say, yep, here's this guy at this reputable company. And then it's like, okay, you're a legitimate writer. You're not just some guy off the street. So I agree with his plan. I, and I, and that would be my advice as well is definitely keep your person, but search for another person as you go. Something similar like this happened to me uh, with my first manager. And I remember always thinking like everyone knows everyone in Hollywood. And uh, like it was going to, the word was going to get out that I'm trying to find a new, new rep. And little did I know I was just really full of myself and no one really gave a shit. So yeah, I would definitely search for a new rep and not be too afraid of, of that happening at least. Like no one cared. Yeah. I also feel like in that story with your first rep, you talked about it on one of these episodes and you'd mentioned that when you did go to part ways, he was like, yeah, cool. I get it. We're not working. Like it was not a surprise to him either that the relationship wasn't working. So I think this big fear that we have, and this has happened to me as well. And the in the one rep I had to, I wouldn't say fire. I just left him. Um, it was a similar situation where I was gearing up for almost two weeks with fear of how am I going to address this? And he was like, "Okay, cool. Yeah, I get it." Yeah. They sense it too. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows. I think the thing with reps when they're at that stage is they don't care about you. And the reason they're not actively letting you go is because who knows, maybe one day you're actually going to come up with a really great spec that they can sell. So they're keeping you on the hook as much as you're kind of keeping them on the hook. So that doesn't really actively work for either of you. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. There's that chance that so-and-so is going to write, Bob's going to write something amazing. Yeah. Anyway, that was my first uh, fireside chat. Good job, Bob. You go. Can't wait to hear from him. <laughs> and this is very much, by the way, I feel like the answers are very much what I would do. Not like, go do this advice. Please <laughs> just take all of this with a grain of salt. <laughs> and if it doesn't work, Tasha will find you a new rep. <laughs> um, I, am I going, just am I ripping off all three or are you going to no, go? No, I'll go, I'll go. Um, okay. All right. So this writer is going in to pitch a movie to an exec. And he parks and he goes up to the office and he's told to go ahead and wait in the waiting area. And the exec will be right down to meet him. And so he sits and the walls are, you know, covered in the movie posters of all the movies this company has made, which is, of course, very intimidating. And he's probably running over the pitch in his mind and he's doing this for about 15 minutes and then 20 minutes and then 30 minutes. And still no exec has come down to meet him. Oh. Finally, 45 minutes later, the exec comes in, picks him up, brings him back to his office. They sit down and the exec says, you know, I'm running late for this thing. So just go ahead and give me the five minute version. Oh my God. The five minute version of a feature pitch, <laughs> which is like literally the nightmare. So what would you do? I would do the five minute version of the feature pitch. I would probably... Be like, all right, well, you know, it's uh, it's uh, you know, signs meets 
you know, Groundhog's Day. And uh, this is what the idea. That's a great idea, by the way. I'd watch the <laughs> shit out of it. That sounds <laughs> amazing. You need to uh, write that. <laughs> so it's Signs Meets Groundhog's Day. And, you know, it takes place over here, here. And it's, uh, I, I don't, I, I guess I would talk about how the character changes and uh, just try to do it as fast as I could. But I definitely stumble over it like I just did there. It depends who the exec is also. Because maybe I'd be like, dude, no. But if it's like a really high level exec, you wouldn't do that. Like, oh, totally, man. No problem at all. Uh, so here we go. It's Signs Meets Groundhog's Day. And it's got this Bill Murray type archetype. And, um, you know, it's just a really fun uh, movie with a lot of twists and turns. Like, that's the gist of it. Let's talk about it some other time. That's what I would do. I think what I would do is... First, I'd get probably like really sweaty and hot because oh, I'm like, sure. really embarrassed <laughs> um, and horrified. And then I would I would just probably give the log line and say what's cool about it. But then I'd be like, but you know what? Why don't I just come back another time? Because five minutes isn't really going to do it justice. But thank you. I'll have my agents, you know, reach out. Yeah, I agree. It's just that sucks. <laughs> it sucks. I feel like I've only ever heard this story. And this is actually someone we actually both know so th what the writer actually did was they did it so they they pitched the five minute pitch and i mean it probably took him at least a week's worth of work to do this and like i have visuals when i go in and pitch so like i would very much be like no i gotta come back like this is not gonna work for me so he does this five minute pitch and by the way just as an aside if you're a producer listening to this do not ever do this reschedule maybe even give the writer like some swag on the way out because like that was such a shitty thing to do but don't treat someone that way <laughs> but i think the best part of the story is this so he pitches the five minute version and then afterwards you always get a call from your agent to be like oh you did great or ah oh, they passed and so the agent says the exec is passing on your pitch and he's passing because the pitch didn't have enough detail in it <laughs> oh no <laughs> at that moment i would lose my fucking mind oh. i can't even handle that story what did All your right. friend or what did our mutual friend or your friend or this person i know what did he say or she say i, don't, I mean that was the story i was told i mean i, I oh, think God. i think he probably was like oh <laughs> like fuck that person but i i would also never ever work with that person again no never bring tell a everyone to them. the story like this yeah. guy sucks what a terrible thing to happen <laughs> these are the stories that i love and hate about hollywood <laughs> right you I love, love it when it happens them. to someone else. I love when it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> when it's not me, I'm like, that shit's fucking awesome. What a move. <laughs> All right. Moving on. This is um, from a friend of a friend that I don't really know, but I've been given the thumbs up to talk about this. I wrote a short film a few years ago. I've been working on turning it into a feature. I've connected with multiple producers about it, but during the pandemic, I landed with one producer to develop it a little bit more. But a few months ago, I read that on Deadline, a very, very similar idea just got actors and a director attached. And it looks like that project is moving forward. I've been mulling over what I should do. What's the harm in writing the movie? Because I am very passionate about it. And let me just reiterate, this person has had this idea for like, 
three and a half to four years. And it's like almost like a passion project that was made that they made into a short film. And now here we are. Well, Tasha, what, what would you do? That's so tough. I mean, there's so many things to do there. Like you could either just make it as you envision it because maybe it'll be different enough that, you know, that it, someone will see that it's different. Also, you're so far behind this movie that's already about to be produced that they may people may forget that it even exists by the time your movie is actually ready to be produced and or ready to at least go out and sell or you rethink the angle with which you're coming into your idea which is what i ended up having to do i wrote an entire pilot we were literally ready to take it out like within a week or so and news came that a very famous person was doing a very similar idea and it was either you got to get rid of the project it's dead tasha or you have to figure out a new way in and because it was also my passion project i just found a new thing to focus on in the script so character all the characters stay the same the real point of what i was writing stayed the same the world everything the same i just came at it from a slightly different angle that i still really believed in and then got rid of some things that were too similar to the other idea so for instance in my case it was like a, a sort of magic rule that existed in this one that was coming out as well so i just kind of got rid of that rule and replaced it with something else that was different so that's how i addressed it that's a tough one though and it happens all the time i should say too like that's that's a very common thing and let's all remember that there was a year where both an ants movie came out and a bug's life movie about ants came out so it is possible <laughs> yeah it is it is possible but how many times have you like pitched an idea and like your reps are like oh there's something very similar to that and then you stop writing it then like two years later you see that like someone else wrote another version of it and yeah. if you would have just written it in, in the fat but it's very confusing i think if you believe in it you write it and we, we talk about this all the time that you and i could be given the same log line and still write completely different movies because it's all about voice and who you are and perspective so what did bob number two do this is the one that i don't have the answer to okay I wrote back though and basically said, I don't know if this is always the best advice, but I was like, just follow your passion and do what you need to do. I think that is always the best advice. All right, so this is another pitch story. Writer goes into a pitch, which I feel like at this point is like the beginning of a joke we should start doing on this podcast. <laughs> uh, writer goes into pitch and he's pitching and the exec across from him starts to fall asleep. <laughs> and he's thinking, do I stop? Do I wake him up? Do I keep going? So what would you do? You know what I think I would do? I would get up and leave. <laughs> so he just wakes up and there's no one there? I think that's what I would do. I think I'd be so embarrassed <laughs> that I would get up and just leave. And just would be like, it went fucking great. <laughs> Would you leave a post-it in the chair? Like, good to see you. So my my natural reaction to these things are always to do something to make someone feel bad <laughs> because they just, you know, fell asleep on me or made me wait for 45 minutes or whatever. So if I could leave a post-it, I would probably write something like, hope you enjoyed your nap or something like <laughs> <Shit>. that. <laughs> or like the pitch went great or something like that. <laughs> just pitch to, went great. 
or <laughs> something <laughs> something along those lines. Sold. But, yeah, so uh, I'll expect a call tomorrow. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that would be really embarrassing for me personally. And I'd be like, I got to go. Yeah. I just got, gather, gather my stuff. and. Well, what happens if it's just one executive among two or three that's fallen oh. asleep? Oh, I would continue pitching. And uh, I would call it out, but in a joking way. Oh, he fell asleep. And just keep going. <laughs> I don't even know what I would do. I mean, is this person snoring? I don't I think regardless if someone's falling asleep you're not selling this. So why continue pitching? Yeah. So this writer kept going even though mm -hmm. he's falling asleep and same thing, writer gets a call from his agent and the agent says the exec is passing because the pitch was hard to follow. Wow. I don't even know, man. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. It's so easy to go into a place as a writer, I'm not saying this as, for your friend, but it's really easy to go into a place of like self-hate when people pass on your things because in my mind, ultimately it's chalked up to, oh, this wasn't good enough. This wasn't good. There's something that's wrong with this script that wasn't good enough to win this person over. And it's impossible for my head to not go there at some point. And at some, sometimes I really dwell on it and other times I, I don't. Especially because you're pitching this because you envision the movie. It's so clear in your head. You can see this being such an amazing movie that people would love to go and see. And then you're told, no, no one's going to want to see that. We're not going to buy yeah. that. And you're like, wait, am I the crazy one? All right, moving on. So let me just read the, the message that he sent me. Dude, am I a total hack if I hire someone to add comedy to my script? I feel like I need to quit screenwriting if I say I'm a comedy writer and they need someone to help me with help me to write more comedy. Oh man. Um yeah, you're a hack. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> no, I think comedy in particular is one that needs multiple voices and you need to bounce things off of people and all the time. Like every major comedy you have ever seen come from a studio has mm -hmm. had a group of writers come in. Once the script is done, sometimes even after the movie is shot, but certainly after the script is done and they've sat a bunch of comedy writers in a room at Universal or Warner Brothers or wherever and had them punch up the jokes. Yeah. So that is very much a thing that happens in reality. Do not feel bad about doing it. Well, let me tell you what he did. He hired someone to do a punch up. <laughs> <laughs> did he feel bad about it? Was it worth it? Yeah. Yeah. He said it was worth it. How much did he hire someone? How did he find this person? I have so many follow-up questions. Well, he found it through a he found it through a friend. So I'll have to do. I should probably should have followed up a little bit more. Um, <laughs> but um, this is kind of like falls. This isn't like ghostwriter territory. I don't think, right? This isn't ghostwriter. This is just like punch-up territory. I guess I don't know. I feel like if I were gonna punch up something, I would go to you guys. I would go to writers right. group. And say, hey, guys, I really need help on these jokes. Just literally just come in for an hour and let's just talk about the jokes. But that's because yeah. I have that resource. If I didn't, I guess I would have to pay someone. Yeah. I mean, he said it was better. And this person is like pretty good at just kind of like taking the bird's eye view and being like, oh, there should be more comedy here. There should be more comedy here. Maybe add this here. And then came in with uh, suggest suggestions, some specific lines. Mm -hmm. um, but he said it was really helpful. And he found this person through a friend. 
Yeah, through another friend. And this person is a writer or a comedian? He's a writer. Okay. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe like the pain when you pay someone to do something, it's like maybe it just makes things, it, it makes you feel a little different about the service because mm -hmm. when I come to writer's group, you guys tell me things. I'm taking it. I'm just like, good, good, good. Just make my script better, please. I, I will just say at one point I used to kind of be against this. Now I'm just all for it. I'm against it as well. But the fact, again, that almost all professional scripts that actually get made have this. And also they have writer's rooms now for movies like Godzilla and Transformers certainly had a writer's room of people who just came together to give ideas. And even though their names are not on the script, their ideas are certainly out there. So it's, there's no shame in it in a way though. Yeah, you I and agree. I think both talk about how we take pride in something being very much our own. Yeah, but I, I get it. I totally understand. So that's pretty much it for my uh, fireside chats. All right. Well, I have a final example or story that's not necessarily like, what would you do? Kind of is, but more of just something that I thought was interesting. All right. So on a project of mine from a while ago, I get this note on an early part of the script, like somewhere in the first act that this one scene that I absolutely loved was not working. And I cannot tell you how much I loved this scene. Like I was so proud of it. It was, to me, it felt like the glue that held a lot of my character and theme together in the back half of the story. So it was a huge character moment and I think very unique. So I get this notes document back and notes documents are basically, a, like it starts with the tiniest, smallest possible paragraph at the top about how your writing is good or like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's good. Cause just cause they have to do that. But then it's just this like litany of notes, just pages of them. And maybe it's one page if you're lucky, but it's usually like four to five if you're not so lucky. And I actually remember having to write these for my boss at Universal when I was an assistant. So assistants are writing these notes documents. Uh, and she would always tell me to write something nice up front. So she wouldn't do it. It'd be like, Tasha, go put something nice up front. And you just kind of make something up. And then you plug in her notes and you make the notes sound kind of nice too, which like I really did try because she would not be gentle in the way she just worded her notes. It was just like, here's the problem. And she wouldn't even try. And it was my job to just make it sound nicer and kind of cushion the writer's fall. So anyway, I get this notes document back with this tiny couple lines about how the script is good, but then this giant section of things that aren't working. And usually it's divided by category. So like your main character, here's the note, your villain, here's the note. And then that's followed by page notes. So the section that I loved so much that I felt informed the rest of the story was a real inciting incident emotionally for my character. It was just a page note. It wasn't even a section. And the note was, it's nice, but take it out. Why is it here? <laughs> and I lost it. Like I threw the notes against the wall. I ran out. I yelled at my cat that this was ridiculous <laughs> and that all producers are morons. Like, why do I even do this job? And then I kind of calmed down after quite a while. And I thought, okay, this note doesn't just exist in a vacuum, right? I've clearly done something wrong. I've not conveyed why the most amazing scene of all time <laughs> that I have ever written anyways <laughs> is important. I actually, that kind of reminds me of a side story. Can I do a tangent oh. for a second? <laughs> oh my God, please. I once, and I think I told you about this when it happened because it was such a big deal for me. I once wrote a scene between a kid and her alcoholic father. And the scene was about grief. 
And the kid had just lost her mother. The father had lost his wife, of course. And they are both dealing with grief terribly. And until finally the kid tries to kill herself. And the scene was the dad bringing home his daughter from the hospital after she tried to kill herself. And the dad had been kind of a shitty dad up to this point. And I remember writing this in a Starbucks in Burbank. And I just started weeping. Like full on crying in a Starbucks as I'm writing this poor dad dealing with the aftermath of not taking care of his grieving daughter. And I was floored by this reaction that I was having because I'd never had that reaction to my own writing. <laughs> and I remember turning it into the exec and getting like no notes back on that scene. Not even like, wow, that was emotional. Just absolutely <laughs> nothing. <laughs> and, like, Again, it's that moment of like, am I crazy? <laughs> Do I not know anything? Oh, man. <laughs> Anyways, so this was another example of that where I felt <laughs> oh, really man. emotional about this scene and they wanted to take it out. So I like really had to look at this exec's note and her actual note, it was interesting, her actual note was the second half of what she said, which is, why is it here? Like the take it out part was her solution to the problem. And it was the problem she was noticing, right? Like, I don't understand why this is here. It just feels like you plopped it in, which to me means this doesn't pay off. It doesn't mean you got to get rid of it. It means it's not paying off. And so I had to go back and look at why this scene was not connecting emotionally the way I envisioned it doing so in my head. Why weren't they seeing what I was seeing? And so rather than follow her solution, which was to take this scene out, what I did instead was actually address her actual problem. And the solution to that problem wasn't even in the first act where the scene appears. The solution to the problem was actually in the third act where the hero calls back to this emotional moment that happens early in the script and uses that lesson to get over her own problem. So the solution actually to the note was to make sure that that callback that happened in the third act was crystal clear. And so I did that. I didn't take out the scene. In fact, actually, all I did was just add a single line of description in the third act that called back to that moment. And then I never got the note again. Wow. So that to me is just a really interesting story because it's like, oh, yeah, that's a really it was a really hard note to figure out how to address. But once it became clear to me, it felt very obvious and was absolutely the real solution. Yeah. As I've said a million times, you are the master of the note behind the note. And it, it's it's something that's really stuck with me and I always think about it. Even when I get a very basic note, I'm like, well, what's, what's behind that? Like, what what's really going on here? What does that actually mean? Yeah, I mean, no, it's because it's about figuring out what the actual note is about. And the actual note was, she didn't think it was really pay, paying off or that it really mattered. And so I just had to make sure it mattered over the course of the movie, not just in that scene. Yeah freaking brilliant tasha it's it's interesting yeah and it, stuff like this comes up in the in our writers room as well in in tomb raider and in other writer rooms i was in where someone will say like i have a problem with that or i'm bumping on that idea and you have to be like well let's talk about why you're bumping like the solution is not to just like not do that idea so tell me why you're bumping on this and then i can better understand how to fix this bump that you have so that's always like how to do the notes behind the note and i think that's I think you're right. Like we definitely intend to have probably not just one notes episode, but really do a series about notes 
because I think understanding notes and the note behind the notes and learning how to solve notes is literally its own separate skill from any kind of writing or even like thinking about writing that we all do. Right. It's just a whole, it's a whole other set of the brain. I feel like. At some point I, I hope we can get like, like listeners to submit notes that they've received so we can just kind of talk about it. Like what it yeah. sounds like to us. Yeah. I've been taking a log of different people and being like, can you believe this shitty note that I got? <laughs> I'm like, yep, I'm writing that down. <laughs> Send us your shitty notes. Send us all your shitty notes. It is interesting <laughs> though, because I feel like 60, maybe 70% of the time, if you just like think about the note, it, it's not as bad as you think it actually is. Yep. Absolutely. And like, Unless it's like, stop writing, you're <laughs> terrible. Then that's, that's, that's painful. But that's usually bad. you get something and you're like, well, and you know, you have that visceral reaction. You're just like, fuck everything. I hate this. I quit. I give up. I'm going to go throw my cat out of the window. Um, or your cat. I don't have a you're cat. projecting, man. <laughs> so yes, we will have a series about this. But I just thought that story was interesting because I also know plenty of writers who would see that note and simply take the scene out. And that's almost never the solution to the problem. I really liked your examples. Thank you for bringing them in today. I really liked your examples. Thank, Thank you. you for bringing them in today. <laughs> All right. I'll take us out with the quote of the day. The best way to guarantee a loss is to quit. Morgan Freeman. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. Or me, Josh, at Josh Hallman on Instagram or Joshua Hallman on Twitter. And as always, the Act Two podcast is a production of Act Two, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414 Beg, which you can find on Spotify. 